Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. Hey, happy Thursday, and welcome back to another live episode of the MedTech Talent Lab podcast, where we talk all things talent across the industry. And um, for those of you guys just joining, we are here each and every week on Thursdays, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern. And if you're just joining us for the first time, my name is Mitch Robbins. I'm the founder and uh, managing director of a search firm called the Anthony Michael Group in the heart of MedTech, uh, doing a lot in the regulatory quality and clinical space. I'm joined by my colleague, Adam Sapi, and our great friend uh, from the industry, Nick Swig, who is a talent acquisition leader in his own right. And uh, each week we tackle di different topics. Uh, you can catch it live here. You can catch the recorded version of the live stream on LinkedIn, or even better, you can check out the MedTech Talent Lab podcast wherever you consume podcast content. There's over 82 episodes, I think, at this point with a, a variety of different guests across the industry uh, over the last year, year and a half or so. So without further ado, guys, how you doing? Good. Doing well. Good. good. So we're going to tackle a topic that I think is uh, very relevant, and that is how do you get yourself noticed on LinkedIn? I think that there's different levels of LinkedIn usage, right? Depending on who you are and what your profession is. But in one way, shape or form, I've got to imagine that at least, what do you think, Nick? 80%, 90% of the industry is on LinkedIn in one way, shape or form? I honestly, Mitch, it might be closer to 100%. I wish that weren't what I was saying, but it's pretty high. So there was a stat that came out. I don't, I wish I can cite the stat, but it was recently that said over 70, it's either 72 or 73% of employers were one of the first places they go to look when they're doing research about somebody's background is LinkedIn. Okay. Yep. And so that's why I think this show is so important because you, even if you're not job searching today, you want to be found. You want people to notice what you're doing. You want people to notice all the great value that you can bring to an organization because when does opportunity strike? When you're least expecting it, right? And so you want to give yourself every opportunity to be positioned well within um, uh, your area of expertise. And so I, what I think we could do today, guys, is let's just go from top to bottom of, of a LinkedIn profile and talk about perhaps the do's and don'ts. What, what do we see where people go wrong? And, and instead, what's some good advice for that particular section of the profile uh, to help them create more visibility for themselves? Does that sound good? It does, yeah. Okay, right on. So I'll, I'll get us started. I think if we start at the top, I'll talk about the, uh, the headline and the picture piece. And the very first piece of advice is get yourself a picture. And it doesn't necessarily have to be professional picture. It could be a personal picture, but make sure it's clear. Make sure that the picture is actually like a clear image. I think that's one of the biggest things I would say. And I would also say that for those of you who don't have a picture, maybe you're a little bit self-conscious. Maybe you don't think you have a good picture. People are going to work with you face to face in one way, shape or form. So you might as well put up a picture. I think with that there, it helps people naturally connect with you that much more versus a ghost blank of a profile uh, picture. The other piece I would add is the headline. One of the biggest frustrations prospective candidates have is that they feel like they're constantly reached out 
to by recruiters who have no idea what they do for a living. So in our world, for example, it might be somebody who is a, a regulatory affairs professional, but they're reaching out about a completely different section of regulatory that they have no experience in. Regulatory CMC might be an example. Or yeah, I guess I'll just leave it there. And so I would say that some of that is your fault because if you're not clear as to what you specifically do, how is the recruiter supposed to know and why wouldn't they at least err on the side of reaching out? And so in the profile headline, you can either put specifically like I'm a chief financial officer who has helped XYZ to do XYZ. I always like to say is who do you help and how? I help ABC to do XYZ by doing, I help ABC to do XYZ by doing X you know, ABC. And I think that's, that's how you can be so specific of what do you do? Who do you help? If you don't want to do it that way, at least be super, super clear with the title of your profession. What do you do for a living and what industry are you in? The other thing is, I'll say one more thing, make sure that you're choosing the industry. You can select which industry you want to be a part of, your LinkedIn profile to be a part of, because when recruiters go to search you, one of the first things they do is, is funnel down by industry. If you're not selecting that, you're going to be missed. Guys, before we go on past the profile, what do you think about that piece, the profile picture and the headline? No, I think both great uh, pieces of advice, Mitch. If I were to go on the what not to do side, because it's always easier to criticize, right? I, I think the biggest frustration I have is that people put every job that could have ever existed on planet Earth in that headline, and I'm left, you know, eyes crossed trying to figure out who is this person. And so I, I would avoid, you know, you, you want to keep as many doors open as possible. I totally get that. I totally subscribe to that. But to the point where you've diluted out who you are so much that nobody can really make sense of it, you know, there, there's no such thing as um, retail slash healthcare slash pharma slash, right? I mean, at some point, <laughs> you got to just rip the mandate off and decide who you are, or even if it's not who you are, who you want to be, right? So that recruiters can really clearly get that because I, I think that's always challenging. And there's like 10 or 15 sort of variations of what you are open to uh, right in that headline. Big time. And I put out a post recently saying, are you a red flag to your network? And one of the pieces or the premise was, your network can't help you if they don't know what you stand for or what you're looking for. And so if you're all over the place, hey, I used to be in finance, but I really could do sales and marketing because that's what I did for the last. Oh, and by the way, I might also be able to do, they're going to stop. They're not going to know what to do, right? And so that's a really good point, Nick, is plant a flag and make a decision. What do you want to be known for, at least at this point in time, and be super, super clear so people understand. Make it in, you know, between third and seventh grade language. What do you do for a living? What are you, right? And that brings us to the next section. Maybe Adam, you could start us off with your thoughts and that is the about section. I think that this is one of the most important pieces of real estate on your LinkedIn profile for so many different reasons. But if you could start us off and give us your opinion about that piece. Yeah, and I think the key for the about section and even for that headline, and maybe even more so on the headline, is to stay current because I get about 15% of the conversations I have with somebody, with a candidate, I get the sheepish, oh, I've, I should tell you, my LinkedIn profile is very outdated. And a lot of times what that means is, well, this opportunity that you and I had scheduled a 30-minute conversation about is now two levels beneath you in terms of scope of responsibility or whatever else. And you know, and if uh, we have those conversations a lot, hey, I'm getting, you know, recruiters are reaching out to me about these roles that aren't even relevant. Okay, well, let me tactfully show you why that's happening. Sometimes they're just casting a wide net and they're being lazy, but you haven't given them specific direction uh, to do that. So I, I actually don't have LinkedIn in front of me right now, but the about section I think can be 
uh, I, I think still be concise. The message you want to give to others and kind of your commercial, it's your chance to brag about yourself, which is uncomfortable for a lot of people. They don't want to do that in an interview. So here's your, your chance to do that. And to your guys' point, you know, I think Nick mentioned it. Hiring managers were, or no, Mitch, you had mentioned that data where probably the first place hiring managers go to is your LinkedIn profile. I've started recently even presenting, when I present candidates, have a link to their LinkedIn profile. I've done it twice in the last 24 hours because they're going there first. So they're going to see that. And if that's way outdated or you don't have enough about yourself in that section, you can tee it up for your interview to have some of those questions answered or open doors where they can say, hey, oh, so you led a you know, two new product launches. Tell me more about that. You know, that, that can be your chance to, you know, brag about yourself and not have to do it as much live with, with an interview. Yeah. And I would just add that um, unlike a resume, there's, I, I think it's important to make it sound like you, right? Resumes have a tendency to be more on the formal side. Yeah. And yep. That's appropriate. It makes sense. But I think when you go to the social media world, especially a site specifically designed toward networking, right, it's important to let your personality shine through your language, the way you speak, the way you see the world. So I wouldn't worry so much about making it super polished, right? Like maybe your your resume. And I certainly wouldn't cut and paste. I, I would not ever want the same content, um, partly because they're totally different sort of forums, but also because if you've sent a resume to a company or hiring manager, again, they are going to check your profile. Do you really need it to be identical? No, you, you want it to be a little bit more additional content that augments the resume, not repeats it. That's a good and point. I and I like you. that it's, yeah, go for it. I was just going to say, I would disagree with you just a little bit. And Uh-oh. maybe, <laughs> no, I, I love it. I love it. And you should too. Um, is that you also need some consistency. I've seen it where the resume has positions on there that are not on the LinkedIn profile and the dates are different. And now I'm thinking, is this person credible? What's going on here? Are they hiding something? Did they leave something off on purpose? What are, what's going on here? And so I, while it can be perhaps written differently, maybe with a, a little bit different voice, I do think it needs to be consistent as far as the brand that you're putting forward and, and the experience that you say that you have. I'd agree with that. And I think the the framework, right, the dates, the companies you've worked, the titles that you've held, absolutely should be honest, right? So when I say not necessarily as polished, you want to make sure you, what you're saying to the world is true and a factual overview, because a great way to lose an opportunity is to damage trust, right? We've, I think, talked about the importance of trust as far as moving forward in the interview process. The absence or the loss of trust will immediately get you rejected. And so I have also had that sort of knee-jerk reaction. Like, these look like two completely different people, yet I know they are the same. So I, I definitely agree with that. I think you just have a little bit more creative license on sort of the, the LinkedIn side versus the uh, resume. And largely, it's just because I think users are viewing, they're spending more time viewing those profiles than they, they do looking at your resume. Um, I, I just think resumes are you know more or less boring to, to look at, whereas LinkedIn profile is a little bit more interactive. So I think you have more time with the LinkedIn profile, more succinctness is necessary on the, on the resume side. I think so too, where you can personalize that. Hey, I'm an avid rock climber and Ted Lasso fan who's also a software quality engineer who does this, this, and this. I love that stuff. And it wouldn't be appropriate necessarily on your resume, but in your profile, that's you. That's who you are, a living, breathing person. And and that's awesome. And, and the voices or 
you know, at the very bottom part and we'll probably get there too, but people you follow, people, influencers and companies that you follow, uh, schools and stuff like that too, I think tell a lot about, uh, about you as well. So. So I see the headline as almost the carrot to lead into the about section. The headline is what's going to draw somebody in. Oh, this is the right. right person. Hey, they're a regulatory affairs leader with, you know, with digital health experience, whatever it may be. Yep. The about section then covers that picture in. And I would be really detailed about who you help and how, right? We always stress outcomes, made money, saved money, improved the process, delivered on time, under budget, whatever it may be. So you want to call out some of the accolades that you've had and how you help the people that you say you help. But then in this section, I would also be cognizant to add in, if you have a technical job, I would be cognizant to add in key language here. So if you are a programmer and you know C++ and Python and whatever the terms are, Make sure that that's in there because recruiters are searching keywords all day, every day, right? If you do, um, if you have actual 510k submission experience and you've worked on class three devices, including PMA supplements, or maybe you've worked on an original PMA, put that stuff in there because if it's in the about section, people would be like, okay, this person has the experience. Whereas if it's not in there, you're going to get that call anyways, because they have yep. to validate one way or the other if you have the experience. Yep. Yep. So, and then the other thing I would say about the about section is, Make it easy for people to contact you. If you provide your contact information, your email and your phone, it's easy. People can reach you right then and there. If you don't, they've got to connect with you. You've got to see their connection request. You've got to be, have the back and forth. If you are really trying to be contacted with opportunities, make sure that it's easy to contact you. That's what I would say. guys. Especially the, if the, you're open to work. That's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine too, where a lot of folks, unfortunately, are open to work right now and they have you know, a compelling you know, reason. But then you're like, I, I don't know how to get a hold of you. I have an opportunity that you might want to hear about. But if we're not connected, then my first step is either I'm, I'm going to send a LinkedIn you know, connection request. They may or may not see that and accept it. Then we can, I can DM them or we can do an in-mail. But yeah, to your point, I'm trying to, I'm trying to send the world out a message that I would like to be reached out to for these opportunities. Well, then, yeah, to your point, make it easy. Uh, shoot me a text or, or, or call me or email me. And please understand your profile is a part of the brand that you are putting forward one way or the other. Yeah. So if you have a two sentence line in the about section, that's what it says about you. That's what people have to go off of. They don't have anything else to go off of at that point. So that's where I think the consistency piece is important between the resume and the LinkedIn profile. I think that the clarity piece is, is super important as far as who you are, what you do and who you help. Uh, I think being able to contact you uh, is super important. And then as we kind of continue to go down, so we've done the about section. If you've written any articles or have any publications that, you know, are in the accolade for you, you could link those. You could link them there, right? I've got certain videos or certain posts that I put up that I want people to see right there and then that they can uh, get value from. So if you've done that within your space, put those links there. It, it establishes more credibility for you as well. Moving down is the, is the experience piece. Nick, what would you say about, you know, what you, what is right and what is wrong in your opinion? Again, I think the framework has to be consistent. I think you make a great point there. But once again, uh, my, my LinkedIn profile reflects more of what I wish I could say on a resume, right? The things that are meaningful and important to me individually, not necessarily the, the list of tasks or assignments or accomplishments that are associated with a specific job that are going to make it into the resume. Again, I look at 
LinkedIn as augmenting the resume, not a copy of it. And so that's a big area where, you know, I would kind of look through, you know, what are the three things I am most proud of in each job I've ever had? Forget about whether they're related to the job, right? If you launched a recycling program, who cares if it had nothing to do with your job? I think seeing that pride, seeing that you take initiative, that you have the ambition, whether it's specific to the job responsibilities or, or helping the organization as a whole um, improve, I think that sends such a great message to whoever's viewing. And they really, they get excited. They want to talk to you. They want to ask you questions. And so I really would, you know, be more on that personal side. And, and that's just me. I don't necessarily think that's the only way to do it, but I, I that's the approach I tend to take. I was going to say, it's so funny because we didn't prepare for this. You know, other, we're coming to this. And what I mean is like, this is live natural conversation. I didn't realize your viewpoints on this because it's funny because I feel almost very opposite. I really do in the sense that a lot of people are going to see your LinkedIn profile before they see your resume. And so I think that Yes, I think the personalization is is great because it goes back to what I said about the picture. People want to know, like, and trust the people that they're going to work with, right? And so it builds credit, that connection, the more personal stuff you have on there. At the same time, I feel like articulating the scope of your responsibility in these roles and what you did is going to help somebody very quickly say, okay, this is the right person I want to talk to. So maybe there's a happy medium as far as putting that, that personal in flair on it, so to speak, and also being consistent with uh, what's on, on your resume. What well, do you, what do you see, Adam, the majority of the time you're looking at the, about, at the position section? Yeah, and I pulled one up now so I can, I, I can reference that. I'm kind of with Nick, too, where I think especially now, right, we're competing team as Nick. a candidate. Team Nick, really, Adam? Team I'm Nick, team, huh? I'm team Nick <laughs> on, on this topic. The reason I say that is candidates are now competing with many more people than they were 18 months ago. And we're also, I'm sure feeling it, hiring managers and companies are pickier right now. They, they just are. You know, they're not scaling and growing like crazy. It's free money and everything else. So they're like, hey, we need four RA specialists. That'll, that person will do. You know, that's kind of felt like that was a mindset. Now, hey, we have this headcount. I had to fight tooth and nail to get this thing approved and I can't get it wrong. So I'm going to be very, very picky. So when I talk to candidates about that, they're, a hiring manager and a talent acquisition person are looking for reasons to rule you out because guess what? They have 68 other ones behind you. They're looking for something on your resume or on your LinkedIn to say, nope, nope, nope. And if you have no picture, bare bones information, really nothing about you, that's probably not giving you a, a leg up you know, when you're competing with others. So I think to your point, Mitch, yeah, there's probably a happy medium where you can articulate well enough of what you've done and then put a little bit of a personal softer touch or, or the soft skills piece too, because we've talked about this before too. 60% of that's probably, you know, 60% of the equation is liking the person, being able to work well with them. You'll find out in five minutes, hey, do they know C++ or Python or do you think they could write this code? Yes or no. But also, gosh, I'm going to spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week with this person for the next five years. Do I want to do that? Am I stuck at the airport with them and going, oh my gosh, this person's brilliant, but I'm going to pull my hair out. So I think your profile can help do that. And it's not Facebook or TikTok and it, you know, that's not what it's designed to do. But I think there's a little way to personalize and make that a, a resume come to life. And, and I think LinkedIn is potentially really good at that. The other piece that I want to mention that I forgot to say about the about section is you, my opinion is you want to write it from the vantage point of who you're hoping will read it, right? And so you want them, 
it you wanted to resonate with them like this is what we need this type of person with this experience will help solve the problem that we have or if you're the recruiter hey this is the type of person that i think we should be you know screening for the hiring manager so it works both ways that's I think just with any type of marketing, right? Because in essence, this is sales and marketing. You're promoting yourself. And so with any type of marketing, you want to understand your avatar. Who are you targeting? You want to understand what motivates them, what drives them. You want to write copy as if they feel like you're inside their head. And so I would say it's the same thing when it comes to writing about your professional self. After the experience is one huge key element towards the bottom that so many people miss. And uh, I'm wondering if you guys can guess what I'm referring to. I hope so past, it is past education and volunteering or what? What'd you say, Nick? I said, I hope it's recommendations because yeah, that is the, the most yeah. underutilized yeah. feature. Ask for recommendations. I don't mean what are, what are those stupid things that peep the buttons people could push the, um, quality engineering. Yeah. Oh, I know wait, the, the, they're known for this skill. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, I have people check off stuff. I have zero experience with. I mean, ask, your coworkers, your bosses, ask the people that know you the best for a recommendation. Here's the truth. If they don't write one or if they write one you don't like, you don't post it. It's no big loss, but no harm, no foul for asking the question. The best way to ask, in my opinion, um, is to write one first. Hey, Mitch, I wrote this recommendation for you. You know, would love it if you took a moment to write one for me, because what that does as a recruiter is it allows me to see your skills, your competencies, your personality through the eyes of the stakeholders that you're going to be working with. So, and almost no one has this. So here's that opportunity to really set yourself apart from everyone else on LinkedIn is ask for those recommendations. That's huge. I'm looking at one, you know, right now we know this guy really well. He's got 47 and you're like, wow, this guy's squared away. You know, automatically that number means something. If you have four, that's cool. But if you have 30, 40, 50, they're like, wow, I'm reading that. Oh, and seven, the first seven I see are from CFOs and they're saying, he helped me do X, Y, and Z. Well, I'm a CFO and I need help doing X, Y, and Z. Well, gosh, I really am excited to talk with this guy. And in fact, of the seven CFOs, I know three of them or I know their companies. Wow. Social proof through the, you know, through the roof. I'm, I'm even, I'm 10 times more excited to reach out to this person. And I can even name drop. Hey, I, you and I both know so-and-so. It sounds like you did a great job for their organization. We're looking for help in the same capacity. When can we talk? Awesome. Awesome. So you hit the nail on the head. It's the credibility, it's the trust factor, it's social proof. Yeah, yeah. Are you who you say you are and is it validated by other people that know you, right? And so I always go down to the bottom and I'm, I'm guilty, I'm gonna admit this, my recommendations are outdated. I need to do a better job for myself, but do as I say, not as I do, I'll fix mine, I'll fix mine. But seriously, it's a huge credibility factor. And if you're uncomfortable, like, what do I, like, how do I ask? Nick said, hey, uh, let the law of reciprocity kick in. You can take the initiative and do some recommendations. The other thing that you can do for yourself is write out the recommendation that you're hoping the person can give and say, would you be willing to write a recommendation? As a matter of fact, I drew one up to try and hopefully save time. You feel free to doctor it any way you want, or we don't have to use it at all, but here it is. What do you think? And nine times out of 10, you're like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's accurate. Well, great. You just wrote it the way you're hoping that person would, would speak about your experience. And they said, go ahead and do it because they know it's true. And so you're saving them time, but you're still getting the outcome that you're looking for. I would also take advantage of transition periods. If you're leaving an organization on good terms and you know you did a great job, that's the time to, to start asking for those recommendations, yeah. right? Or 
Guys, name two other times that might be appropriate to ask for recommendations. I would say do when it's fresh, it. top of mind, yeah. Because otherwise it's hard. I, if, if they're like, hey, can you vouch for me? Well, we haven't worked together in six months. Give me a minute. And it's, I, it's not that I forgot about you, but I, it's not as, as current or relevant. So make sure it's timely. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Nick. I think you had something. I was just going to say um, when someone reaches out to you for an introduction to someone in your network, right? Hey, wondering if you could introduce me to this Mitch character. Absolutely. Um, and if you're happy with, you know, my assistance here, maybe you could drop me a recommendation, right? It's sort of, again, that reciprocity that, look, we're all here in it together in this life science industry or whatever industry you're in. If we're willing to give a little, expect that people are going to be willing to give to us. Right. Yep. Right. Good stuff, guys. I feel like that's a high level top to bottom. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. We'll ha happy to help you offline. There, there was two comments here that I want to make sure to address. Manjul says, uh, my headline has three specific things. Looking for full-time opportunities, my master's degree, my previous experience role. Is that okay? I would say your degree is not necessary because you could have it underneath. Looking for full-time opportunities, as long as you've got the open to work piece on there, I would take advantage of that space and talk about specifically what do you do and what type of opportunity are you looking for? Do you guys uh, disagree or agree? No, I, I don't think um, that headline hurts because it's not giving me three different versions of three different people, right? They're all along the same lines. But I think your advice is good too, to try to avoid being redundant and, you know, cut to the chase as far as this is what I, I'm good at, and what I want to do, and then let them see that banner. And then they can get to the, your education if they need that info as well. Yep. Manjul, you asked if we would take a look at your profile. I will happily do that for you uh, offline. I'll send you, I'll send you uh, some feedback because I appreciate your participation and uh, being a loyal uh, follower of the show. So absolutely. If you guys have questions uh, further along on this topic, always feel free to reach out. If you've got suggestions on future topics that you would like us to cover, we'd love to get your feedback on that for sure. Guys, we're going to wrap the show today. Thanks so much for being here and participating with me. And uh, we will see you for another live episode of the MedTech Talent Lab podcast next Thursday, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern. Thanks, guys. Sounds good. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.